Jersey is the world. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's holding up okay. It's been a really crazy week since we last gave you an episode. Just want to say, you know, I hate to get serious at the top of stuff. We generally just like mess around and do our comedy bits and our interviews and our food reviews, all the dumb stuff that we do here. Just want to take a quick moment to send love to all the women who are out there listening, who it's just absolutely crazy. We're living in madness. We're living in absolute madness. And I hate everything that's been happening. And I do feel so proud that very instantaneously our state and our governor made it clear that women are safe here and women are protected here and women's choices are protected here. Much love to everybody out there. And I hope that we can provide a distraction. I hope we can provide some laughs during trying times. And I hope that we can help you forget about the stresses for a while because that's, at the end of the day, what entertainment is for, what comedy is for. Um, Feels very weird to plug a thing, but I got to be good about plugging the things. July 6th, Asbury Park, House of Independence. We're doing a live show. It's going to be kid-friendly. We're putting kids in control. We're encouraging people to bring your kids. Five and under, they get in free. It's going to be totally family-friendly, and we're going to go over different aspects of New Jersey history and culture and science, and we're going to allow kids to make choices in the show that will define the show itself. So if you have kids, bring them, because I bet they'll have a great time. And if you don't have kids, it's going to be chaos, because I've always believed in the fact that growing up in Jersey, kids feel very empowered, and we're going to be empowering the kids, and I think you will enjoy this as a comedy show uh, no matter what. So come on out and enjoy it. And enjoy today's episode. Today's episode is a really simple one, really simple idea. It's this. We love Jersey. That's clear. Have you been listening to this show for the past uh, couple of years? We love this place. We obsess over this place. We're proud to be from this place. There's also a lot of stuff in this place where you just look at it and you go, just fix it. Fix that. We all know that's messed up. Fix it. And in this week's episode, we list a bunch of things that we look at in Jersey and go, fix it. Let's get it together. Who knows if we ever will. I don't, I hope we do, or I hope we don't, so we all have stuff to complain about in our diner booths and as we walk the boardwalks of this beautiful place. Anyway, much love to everybody. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to New Jersey's The World. My name's Chris Gethard. Happy to be your host today. This is, of course, Wotown. A division of New Jersey's The World. We're three friends who grew up in West Orange, New Jersey, spent some time in New Brunswick together. And manage to stay in touch despite all the trauma those two places brought into their lives. Tell stories. Hang out. Reminisce. Ponder what New Jersey is and why it is the way it is. Mike D, how you doing tonight? I'm psyched to be with the crew. I definitely uh, could use, use a good hangout with my, with my crew tonight. So I'm very happy to be here. And now, Bonaduce, usually you are our most energetic excitable member of the gang but you are you're a little under the weather so it's going to be a more subdu- subdued bonaduce tonight yeah it's weird i really didn't have my voice for like two or three days and i just ignored it but uh now i'm uh, i'm here i'm here and maybe bonaduce will come out and said and save save me but who knows just uh hot out i warm myself out and uh i think i have a what's it called walking pneumonia it's brutal it's brutal. And, and this episode, I'm a little scared because you've got walking pneumonia. You should be taking it easy and resting. And today we're doing a topic called Why Won't They Just Fix That? Where we explore things about New Jersey that are so clearly messed up. Why isn't anybody just fixing these things? Which is the exact type of topic that I think would normally send you into a rage. And I'm a little worried that you don't have the energy to handle such rages. No, I think because I feel like shit, probably I'll be even more angry and more things bother me. Okay. Because I right now I've been letting a lot of things slide in my life, but when I feel miserable, oh boy, I'm probably worse. Oh boy. This was um, spurred on because this morning I had to get a COVID test for a job I'm working and I had to drive out to Saddlebrook from Morris County. So already I'm like, that's there's no place between the outer reaches of Morris County and Saddlebrook. That's the, the closest place you can get me is Saddlebrook. Um, but hey, I'm a team player. I drive out to Saddlebrook and on the way out there, I took 80 
And on the way back, it sent me up 46. And I tell you, I went, um, I went by where 46 meets three. Oh yeah. I'm going my whole life. This has been fucked up. And right now they're trying to fix it, but I feel like the construction to fix it's been going on for a year and a half. They made it worse. It is so dangerous over there. It, it couldn't be more dangerous. I remember the first time my dad took us to the Meadowlands, which was probably for a Seton Hall game. Um, I remember him telling me and my brother, and we had some neighbor kids in the car. There were some neighborhood kids, some family friends. And I remember my dad saying, so at one point we're going to drive on route three. It's going to be scary and it's going to be nuts, and I'm going to be really focused, so don't make too much noise, because I need to focus. Like, this is my father bracing us when I'm like eight, nine years old. And it was all about that section where 46 and 3 merge, man. And and Nick, you know that I have great respect for your brethren and the working the working people of this state who build our infrastructure. I know, I know the surveyors on that job, actually. This is a lost goddamn cause. They made it worse. No, they're making it worse. It's a nightmare because what what's happening right now is it's... I know exactly what you mean because I was working up there and I was coming home. Dude, I was coming home at four o'clock in the morning through there and... The road splits, but at the same time, what you what when you're driving through it right now, what your experience is is like what they're doing is they're they're paving like different sections and moving the traffic all the time, so it's like terrible, and it's really even more unsafe. And then I was coming through there in the fog, and like there's nobody else on the road, and then you can't see anything, but everybody drives like assholes there anyway, so it's even worse. And there's literally barriers everywhere you your lanes are way smaller they actually like chipped away the rock right there and made the road bigger i i've noticed too that during this construction they just use a thin line of spray paint in some places to delineate where the line is and you have people merging from the other highway you know driving 60 70 miles an hour and you expect them at that speed to be able to identify a thin line of cheap spray paint as to where they should be driving it's just madness over there there's always the people that will go all the way up on the left and then decide that they got to get all the way to the right at the worst possible time before that happened but now it's even fucking worse but that's a dangerous area like i used to stop at that mcdonald's and like you could get stopped at at either the Exxon or the McDonald's, you could get stuck at there trying to get into traffic for like 15 minutes. I will say this though. One of the most miraculous stories of survival in all of New Jersey is that no matter what they do to that stretch of road, the great notch in survives. It does. You guys know the great notch in one of the great, one of the great roadside bars of this, of this state of ours, the pseudo, uh, yeah, the pseudo biker bar. I think the only time I drank there was on my 21st birthday. Ooh, that's a good spot. So I barely remember it back then. It was like, it was more authentic. They can widen that thing by 11 lanes in each direction. And this, they will somehow build an Island just for the great notch. I don't know how that place is still going, man. It's a great place. I mean, they have live music, and it's a no, you know, it's a it's a meetup spot, right? Because all those highways meet there. If you want to see your friends from another part of the state, it's real easy to say, "Oh, let's meet at the Great Notch," and you can go there. It's cool. Cool people own it. I'm a big fan of that place, and it's obviously a very architecturally cool structure. Like they dropped a, a Swiss, a wooden Swiss yeah, old log chalet, cool. like right into like you know three and forty six where they meet. Yeah, God bless the Great Notch Inn. I don't know how it manages to survive when so many uh, cars and people do not. A fucking gold mine. So many cars and people who uh, just eat it over there, and yet the Great Notch thrives. Kudos to the Great Notch. I hope this never happens, but I could easily picture it not existing anymore because someone drives directly through it because they don't understand all the traffic merges in that, that stretch of highway. And listen, I'm not wishing that upon the great notch in, but me neither. It's much better. I know there's been a few times where it's been threatened by eminent domain with highway widenings and stuff. And they managed to always survive and fight it off. I'd rather that, right? I bet the proprietors of the Great Notch would say, send a truck through the wall versus just the government's going to take it because they're fucking with 46 again. I bet even the owners of the Great Notch would say, we don't want anybody getting hurt, but ultimately we'd prefer that. You have to think. Well, I would imagine if, if that happened. You have to think. That afternoon you would have 
hundreds of New Jersey people there in the ruins of the Great Notch Inn enjoying themselves. Oh my goodness. They, they would show up to support it. And then maybe after a couple hours of having a good time, they'd probably start to rebuild it themselves without anyone prompting. <laughs> you got to think too, and look, the last thing I'm ever going to endorse and the last thing I'm going to find funny is people driving drunk. But I have a feeling people have probably driven drunk home from the Great Notch if they've driven home drunk from anywhere in New Jersey. And the idea that people are driving drunk and trying to navigate that specific mess of jug handles and poorly explained. Dude, when you got to get off on some of those exits over there on the other side, Clove Road and some of those ones that go into Little Falls up behind Montclair State, I mean, you might as well just be driving off a ski jump at the angles those things take. It's like Nepal. They just like <laughs> like dip down and then a, a 60 degree turn when there hasn't been nearly enough time to slow down. That whole area is fucked. That whole area is fucked. They got to fix it. Why don't they just fix it? Hence today's episode. Now, some of these things are other infrastructural and physical things. Some of them are the more uh, philosophical sides of New Jersey. Some of the more logistical sides of New Jersey. Mike D, you and I build out these outlines Anything you want to toss out there as far as another topic that you wonder, why don't they just fix this in New Jersey? The thing in New Jersey that continually frustrates me, and I don't understand why they don't fix it, is Nork Airport. Nork Airport is the worst functioning airport that I have ever been through in my life. <laughs> and I've spent a lot of time in airports all over the world. And if you don't, believe my opinion. You can look up statistics. Newark Airport has the highest rate of delays of flights of any major size airport. 25% of flights out of Newark Airport are delayed. It is consistently rated in every survey as the worst airport of its size. Nothing there works. When you go to Newark Airport, first of all, the, the security at Newark Airport is the nastiest, surliest group of people. I have been continually abused by them over the years. And I don't understand why. Like they have machinery that checks your bags and does the job. You have, you know, global entry. You should sail right through. Yet they seem to take pleasure in making things as miserable as possible for you. And I, I just don't get Nork is it should be considered essentially a gateway to New York City Airport, yet it's run so poorly. And if you the reason the other reason that I think this needs to be fixed is Terminal A and Terminal B are run by the Port Authority and they are completely dysfunctional. Terminal C is privately run and run by Continental. Wait, is, I thought Continental folded. Or whatever version. Or United now. United now, whatever. It's privately run now, yeah. So, you know, like I, can, I can't even keep up with the airlines folding anymore. But it's essentially privately run and that terminal is the one with the nice restaurants and functions pretty well. Whereas Terminal A and B that are run by the Port Authority barely function. Why don't they fix this? Millions of travelers use this airport and we just let it be a zoo like the rest of New Jersey. Don't get it. I was working on the new Terminal 1 and all the infrastructure that's going to meet that. So your Terminal A is going to be torn down, I think, as soon as Terminal 1 is functional. And they're having all kinds of delays and stuff like that. But um, um, I built the bridge that you're going to drive up to for departures. Um, did everything there so your hopefully your prayers will be answered and i i probably sent you guys those pictures of like the underneath of like where the luggage goes and stuff and um it's like super involved so this is supposed to be like a cutting edge new like terminal and the, the plan is they're going to have terminal one two and three so a b and c are all going to be like demolished and like completely reconfigured and it's i personally <laughs> It's confusing if you're not there all the time, but I was there for so long and I would frequently be like, make just one wrong turn and it would take me probably like 10 minutes to get back to where like I needed to get. Yeah. But hopefully the changes will be better. It's just a confusing area. You have, I mean, you have um, Route 9 there. It's just like a mess coming off the turnpike. Then you have all like the truck traffic for uh, the port, which creates its own like complete nightmare. And if you're like a regular driver, you're not used to like driving around like, I don't know, tractor trailers or like if you make one wrong turn, like you're like you're eternally, you could wind up in like downtown Newark with like one wrong turn. 
or back on the turnpike by accident and God help you because then you got to do some terrible turnaround. But no, Newark Airport is hopefully going to be better, but the new terminal is like insane. Terminal one is supposed to be able to handle like three times what Terminal A like handled. And architecturally, it's like really pretty, but I can tell you firsthand it was a nightmare. It was a design build. So it was a concept with like plans that weren't like actually finalized. So we were like, fixing problems as they occurred from like the foundations to like the glass fitting on the fascia, like the bridge itself, like all this stuff is like, was they called design build. So it was, it was terrible, but so hopefully they'll have it down by two, but I can't remember the date that they're supposed to have a uh, demoed, but terminal one, I believe right now is like terribly behind schedule. I got to say I'm a terminal C guy and I fly a lot as well. So, I do. I'm glad, Mike. You pointed out that terminal C is the best functioning because I, I will say I've had knock on wood some some simple. You know, I figured out a system by which I can get through. I got the pre check because I fly so much and I, I know the timing. I know which restaurants to go to. Some of them have some decent options, but I will agree with Nick. God bless anybody who is indecisive and makes the wrong turn to try to get all the way back around to where you're going. You don't know where you're going to wind up at night. Don't leave the loop, whatever you do. Dude, you could wind up in the fucking seaport. Don't leave no, the loop. This is no exaggeration. You could wind up in a fucking seaport. <laughs> you could wind up going all the way. I, I think we'd all agree, too. The reputation of New Jersey as like a shitbag state, 85% of why is because of Newark Airport and the things people see. I mean, the fact that you get off the, right? You like make a wrong turn there and you wind up lost in Newark and it smells like a fucking brewery, like an industrial size. And let's keep in mind, like all the stuff that the breweries burned off. Like not, this is not a good thing. All I would smell, like when I was doing the North, um, there's a North section of Terminal A where was where we started. All I was subjected to every day was because they moved all the jets. So the jets were right along the fence, blasting us with like jet exhaust. And then depending on which depending on which way the wind was blowing, it would either be the smell of like hops being brewed or like jet fuel. Or the other wrong turn you could make is you turn out of the airport and you're dead on looking right at the Linden Cogen plant with flames just shooting out of a pipe, you know, sky. on top of you. And you're like, what? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Soramon or many Jersey people do find it weirdly beautiful, but I think that's because of the nostalgia of the steampunk nightmare. That is that section of Linden. Interesting fact though. Um, when you're driving by there, depending on the size of the flame, uh, the larger the flame means the more, um, that there was some kind of problem and they're burning off all the stuff that they can't get rid of. So when you go by there, like oh, great. me and Mike think I went on the term this, I was going to see Mike D in New Brunswick one night and they had closed the like truck lane, but I had driven on it anyway. And I swear to God, like I'm driving, there's no other cars in the road, but the flame was so high that I could put my arm out the window and feel the heat from it. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Like, I was like, oh my, and I, I was like, what happened? Did like something, am I supposed to be here? Like, I'm waiting for something terrible to happen. Think about the fact that there's so many people. I mean, how many hundreds of thousands of people fly into the New York area via Newark and that's what they see and they never step foot in Jersey again. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people. Our state that I love so much, that I'm so proud of. The same state that has, uh, right now, there's pick your own strawberry fields all over. And and you can go, you know, you can go to farmsteads. Hundreds of thousands of people are just like, this state is literally fucking on fire. And it smells like shit. And people are yelling at me. And I just made a wrong turn. And I'm in a series of six uh, largely abandoned blocks. Like, we got to fix this. The best wrong turn you could make, though... And you will wind up at Lookers. What? With Lookers is the hybrid um, stripper club slash diner and package goods. So on one side, it's a diner. The other side is a strip club. That sounds like a very New Jersey experience. Okay. <laughs> I want to move on to something that's not infrastructural. This is something baked into the methodology of the state. It's something that's come up on the show before as a point of fascination. I'm going to expand on it a little more than we've talked about. 
we're fascinated by it. We're amused by it. We've, you know, I've gotten down this track where I've kind of become like the political guy at New Jersey's the world where I do these interviews with people and we learn about stuff and we learn about the political machines and we've interviewed congressional candidates. I've interviewed my congresswoman. We've interviewed the governor. I'm fascinated by the politics. The intricacies of Jersey politics are really, really captivating. And honestly, the way that it is so backroom and mafioso-esque, there's good stories there. But there's two things we got to call out. The ballot line nonsense is embarrassing. For as fascinating as it is, we've talked about it on, on these interviews throughout the shows, it's really embarrassing. It's just political manipulation. It's just like legal rigging of the game. It's really fucked up. And another thing that I want to put out there too, and I know that we don't speak ill of Joe D on this show. We don't. If anything, we, we weirdly admire him and put him on a pedestal. Because look, the guy fixed the Turtleback Zoo. He fixed the Turtleback Zoo. I don't want to wind up in a hole somewhere. That's why. It's true too. I mean, I don't want to, yeah. I'm not trying to wind up in the foundation of a new elementary school somewhere in Belleville anytime soon. But look, this is something he was publicly nailed for and he's owned it. But hand in hand with the political machine chicanery, is this double dipping nonsense. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but both Joe D has been nailed for it and uh, Armando Fantora, who was the sheriff of Essex County forever. I don't know if he still is, but at least when we were growing up. Like forever. Dude, there, there's this system, the basics of it. I've read up on it a bunch, but the, basically a lot of these people have figured out, okay, if you get a position in county government and you hit the age where your pension will kick in when you retire, they quote unquote retire and then they immediately rehire themselves for a new job with all the same duties. So a lot of these assholes are collecting a pension, full pension, and also a salary. So it would be, you know, let's say that you're the county administrator of fucking... I bet they get two pensions. They probably get a second pension. Oh, they're going to get a second pension when they retire again is the point. They get a pension and a salary right now. But like the, the basics would be, I'm just going to make up a fake position. Let's say you're the Essex County... Uh, zoo proprietor well you you retire as that and then they create the essex county proprietor of zoos and you're collecting the pension for the zoo proprietor and now you're the proprietor of zoos it's the same fucking thing and then they wonder why these taxes are so high and then both uh both Fontora and di vincenzo they got caught years ago so it's kind of old news and i think our friend matt friedman friend of the show was pretty instrumental in in, in shining a spotlight on some of this stuff um but they both said, like, hey, it's a legal thing and it's a loophole. Yeah, but I got to do what's right for my family. It's like, okay, but it's also a legal loophole and you are the representative of the law. You think about these state, the counties and why some of these taxes are so high. And it's like, everybody likes to say, sure, we have great schools and you get a lot for your money and the state park system is so beautiful and all that's true. But I also don't need to be paying Sheriff Armando Fontora twice. Every resident doesn't need to be paying these assholes twice. And who knows how many people are doing this? Oh, yeah. There's just, I mean, you probably you wouldn't even want to know half of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, by the way, I know we keep talking about it and we interviewed her. The Dead End Podcast keeps, if you haven't listened to everybody, I know that they, we did an ad trade. We interviewed Nancy. My wife just listened to the whole thing. She's obsessed with it. I got a friend in Brooklyn who has no connection to Jersey who messaged me and was like, I listened to that podcast you advertised. It's the best fucking podcast I've heard all year. Um, all these assholes. That's stuff that she airs out about. Spoilers if you haven't heard it. Hit, the, hit your forward 30 seconds button. But like how the state Senate changes all these laws in Camden about you know giving people tax breaks on the waterfront and then the Norcross brothers go and buy all the pop property up before the law is publicly announced. It's like this shit where these county politicians get to find all their loopholes, call in the feds and have them do an audit and clean this shit up. It's embarrassing, man. Especially with development. That's why those positions are so lucrative. Like any of those developers that come in, there's all these deals where like you'll, um, you'll get units in the building, blah, blah, blah. Like, and they do it like legally, but it's a, it's, it's a bribery, just like anything else, you know? The ballot line thing really blows my mind as as someone who works in, you know, in visual design. The 
The New Jersey ballots are the equivalent of the fold-in on the back of a mad magazine. You would not be able to find certain candidates unless you fold in the ballot. And that's just really insane that that is just the way business is done here, right? That's something they, one, that's the easiest fix. You could fix that in 48 hours. Um, So I really think that's something they need to fix is just have like a fair and equitable ballot so that every candidate is clearly laid out on there so people can see them and understand like, you know, that this is an option for you to vote for. It ties into the ballot line too. So for anybody who's not familiar, if you're like, I know they've talked about it, what is it again? Basically the graphic design on New Jersey ballots allows county level politicians to place candidates where they want them. So if you're voting Democrat, the county Democrats are able to list all the names where they want them and you see them there. So if there's someone who's running who's not the favorite of the county politicians, a.k.a. the machine, they can be placed, it's literally like a fucking bingo card and they can be placed in any random box. And then on top of it, if you don't follow, there's an amazing Twitter account called Camden Phantoms and it's really, really eye-opening. Um... It's basically, it tracks the fact that in Camden County, they very often will run people. So if someone, let's say someone wants to take out the county politicians and they're running under a party that is, again, making it up here called, um, uh, you know, progressives one, two, three, the county machine will find someone with a similar name to that candidate and invent a new party called progressives two, three, one, and they'll run them both. And if the person running is Brian Johnson, they might run uh, Brian Johnston. And you open it and you sit here, you go, how the fuck is anyone supposed to know who you're even voting for? It's the same name. And like the, the parties are the same names. And there's been cases, if, if you haven't listened to our old interview with Matt Friedman, where Matt Friedman tracked down some of these people who were running, who seemingly had raised no money, who weren't out there, you know, canvassing the streets. And he, there are cases where he would contact them and say, so why are you running for state assembly? And they'd go, I am? And the machine is throwing people on the ballot and they don't even, they're just people who owe somebody a favor. And the fact that they get away with this, and again, it's one of these things, just like the double dip in with these pension funds where they go, well, it's legal. We're not doing anything illegal. And it's like, because you write the laws. Because you write the laws. So I'm not saying you're doing anything illegal now. I'm saying you're doing something incredibly shady that should be illegal and you're not changing it because you benefit from it. Change the laws. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. That happens from the, the county level down to municipalities for like, why would you want to deal with putting being on a town council? Because you're privy to information and influence just like a lobbyist or whatever. And it's unfortunately like you really... It's like the guy who goes in with the best intentions, right? Like in your, like, I'm like, I'm doing this for the citizens in my community, blah, blah, blah. And you, you soon realize that let's say you're lucky enough to become elected. Like if you don't decide to play by their rules, you're going to be ruined. Like professionally, um, publicly. Um, and that's it. Like that's, you know, that's it. You don't, it's just, it's human nature. And unfortunately, like, you know, I don't know. I don't. I think. I think I'm apolitical at this point. I have very little faith in whatever party you believe in because I don't know. To get anything done, you have to be dirty, whether it's good or bad. It's my opinion at this point. I'm with you, and also that like you hear these stories about people who like. I know. I, I remember reading up here in Morris County that like a bunch of town council people in Parsippany went against the party and then their lives were made hell. And it's like, this is also, you can be like one of a dozen council people in Parsippany, which is a fine town, but like they'll make your life hell at that level. They'll make your life hell. If you're getting out of line as the council person of some random town, they'll just fuck your life up and besmirch your name. Start getting pulled over at strange places. Uh, your garbage doesn't get picked up. Yeah, every, every uh, God forbid your headlight goes out for five minutes, they're on it. They're on it. I think we're all in agreement that the political infrastructure of the state, while charming, is also, you know what it is? It's like charming and funny, but it's, like I keep saying, it's also embarrassing, 
and it's costing us all money. That's the other thing. You know your tax bill would be lower if they cleaned all this shit up. You know it would be. All this stuff when they sit here and go, oh, well, we have great schools and ooh, well, this and that and we have trains and that. Cause it's like, yeah, our taxes will still be super high if I'm not buying some fucking dickhead random county politician a hot tub. Like if I can just get the money back for the hot tub that the county politician bought, then my taxes go down. It's costing us all money. What's scary is, is how little... It can take to uh, to buy somebody. You know what I mean? That's oh, the, yeah. that's that's the, the scarier thing. thing. I know I've been threatening to run someday. Here's the other thing I'll say too. It's going to be real easy to buy me off. We all know that. We all know that. Anyway, Mike D, I've aired out some of the political stuff. What else have you put on the outline that you think is worth noting as something that, why don't they just fix this? We all know it's broken. All right, this is going to be a weird one, but it's one that's really been on my mind a lot lately is why have they not, figured out the Westfield watcher thing. Yes. This seriously bothers me. I was, I was over in Westfield two or three weeks ago and wanted to just happen to be there for some other reason. And all the factors. So if people don't know, there was this, there's this pretty famous case called the Westfield watcher where basically this, you know, family with young children bought a house in Westfield, which is a really nice, you know, suburb in, I guess that's Central Jersey. Really nice. Yeah, super fancy suburb. Really nice. Central Jersey, I would right? say I North, would say. it's Union County, so that's North, like North, but Westfield's the top. It's on the line. Well, some people argue that Union County is, is partially Central, and Westfield's the type of town, why? So, you know, this nice, very fancy New Jersey suburb, this, this family with young children buys a house in this suburb. And they start getting letters in their mailbox that are extremely threatening and creepy. They're very specific. They know very they know details about the children's lives, their birthdays, and they're basically threatening them, saying that they're watching the house and that they this is their house and they shouldn't be living there. And this goes on for quite some time. And you know, I'm not going to recount the whole story because people can do it better than I can. But eventually the family gets so scared that they move out the house sits dormant. They sell the house at a loss. I am blown away that no one has figured this thing in New Jersey out. It's a suburb. There's not a lot of places to watch people. They're putting notes in the mailbox. Like to me, there's some type of keeping with the theme corruption. Then there were all these stories that it was a hoax that the family did it themselves. They were doing it. Yeah. Right. But then when you follow up on that, yes, people go, Oh no, that's actually, that wasn't a hoax. And it's really, it's like been really horrible for the family because the the house just sat there and everybody kind of blamed them, but then it turned out it wasn't a hoax. So I've read it both ways, but I'm with you, Mike. This is one that seems, uh, this is one that see we got to figure out who this watcher is. When we were shopping, we looked in Union County because Hallie's brother lives out there, and she really liked Mountainside. Some of the houses there are very cool. We were looking up that way. Yeah, my my brother in law lives in New Providence. We were looking out that way. Great town, great town. Really good diner there too. Uh, Berkeley, but the yeah Berkeley Heights like there's some Scotch Plains and Fanwood. She would say, "What about Westfield?" I go, "We can't live in Westfield. They got a watcher." I'm not living in the town with the Westfield watcher. And I was like half joking. And I remember we looked at a house in Mountainside and the realtor showing the house told us, oh yeah, you guys, if you also want to look in, like we almost bought in Cranford. We loved Cranford. Union County was cool. She's like, I covered Cranford too and Springfield and Westfield. I go, is it harder to sell houses in Westfield now that the watcher's around? She's like, yeah. Now I'm sure this real estate boom, it's not that hard. But she's like, yeah, people were worried about this watcher. No way. I'm not trying to have buy a house with a watcher. I'd live there, no problem. But that's why to me, this is a problem that has to, to be solved though if you if you go there there's not many places to do any real watching like you would basically have to be sitting in a car across the street from the house to watch but some of the details were so like intimate about the interior of the home and what they were doing in there <laughs> privately yeah so I'm thinking like is somebody living in the attic and like oh. they didn't know it or something like that? Like a bad Ronald situation. Remember that made for TV movie, Bad Ronald, about the kid who lives in the middle of the house? Bad we, maybe it's a bad Ronald situation. You guys don't know Bad Ronald? No. The people under the stairs. Dude, bad Ronald's one of the best made for TV movies of all time. Flowers in the bad attic. Bad Ronald is about a kid. He pushes a kid in his neighborhood and the kid falls down and hits his head and dies. His mom tells the cops he ran away, but she actually builds like a secret hidden chamber in the middle of the house. 
and he's living in there. I got to watch that. And the mom dies and then the new family moves in and they don't realize that Ronald's been in there losing his mind, drawn on the walls. So this guy, bad Ronald, who's all crazy, he's crazy murder. He sneaks out and he takes their food and then he sneaks back in. He's it may be the Westfield watcher is a bad Ronald situation. Let's get the blueprints. Oh wait, bad Ronald. And he's the one where he collects two pensions from New Jersey, right? Yeah. He, could, he retired as bad Ronald and he got hired as evil Ronald. <laughs> so he's collecting a pension as bad Ronald, but he's getting a salary as evil Ronald. Right. I tell you what, I would pay good money. And Mike D, you can agree with me on this. And Nick, you know I love you. And you know that I have great love for you and your family. And I grew up with you. That being said, I would pay a solid $5,000 if you moved into a house. I would pay $5,000 to be a fly on the wall if you ever received a letter like the one the watcher sent saying, oh, I'm watching your kids. I feel like you'd be on the front lawn with your shirt off. He'd probably be waving a fucking sledgehammer over your head like, watch this motherfucker. You come out here, you fucking watch this. You would handle that watcher. I think after, the watcher would watch you for 10 seconds. He'd never watch you again. I think if somebody observed me in my natural element, like living by myself or in a house for like a month, they'd probably be like, I don't know. They probably would decide that they probably would not want to possibly be found out, like you said. But the other thing is, they'd probably be like, "Oh I my god!" I feel like the like, second you—I mean, any of us. But um, yeah, that's that is weird. I'm a I'm a voyeur anyway. I'm a, I'm a people watcher and that whole thing and whatever. Even like when I was a kid, I had a scanner. We used to listen to like people's cordless phones because they weren't like you know, coded back then. That house that had a bug in it, remember, that you found? Oh, yeah, yeah. He had a bug. That guy, you know, that guy worked for, like, um, the CIA. He was, like, really high, like, naval officer. He's very quiet. And I think that, they, like, the government probably bugs those people's houses intentionally to, like, you know, whatever. And that was, like, you know, now everybody's got cameras, so. When we were younger, Nick was the first one who got into it. We got very into the world of CBs and scanners and we, or Nick first, but eventually we figured out. I had a 24 channel uh, scanner from Radio Shack. You could pick up people's cordless phones, but we would do this obsessively. And Nick called me over one day and he was like, I'm pretty sure that I found a frequency that is a bug in my neighbor's house. Always on. And sure enough, there was this frequency that you could hear basically a microphone in his neighbor's house that was running 24-7 on this odd in-between frequency. Did you ever ask the neighbor about it? Oh. No way. He was, a, he was a really nice guy. Never, like, we were not terrible kids, but like... <laughs> we were kind of terrible. A scourge. Kind of a scourge on your neighborhood. He was probably one of the only backyards or um, properties that we did, didn't, like, infiltrate or cross through. I, I In my entire life of playing Manhunt and... Uh, gang wars or whatever else. I never ran through that guy's backyard ever. I uh, I'm with you, Mike T. They should solve this watcher thing. I just know. I mean, anybody. Now that I'm a father, I know. If I got a letter in my house saying, "Hey, your son with the blonde hair, I'm watching him. He's really," I'd literally, I'd be out there with a fucking with my with a chain in one hand and a pipe in the other, waiting to find this fucking person, man. I'd be camping out, <laughs> waiting for this person. And I can't imagine Bonaduce, the man who once yelled, I'll paint my house like a Western fucking beef. I can't imagine what you would do. That's the main thing with the watcher, man. Like that, those owners should have just fucking like burned the house down and taken the insurance money. That was, that's fucking nuts to get a letter like that. Solve that shit. Help these people out. Between that and John List. And it's solvable. Westfield, is there a, is there a town that is a higher disparity between looking like the Stepford Wives when you drive around it and the creepy shit being as creepy as the Watcher and John List. Westfield has the biggest gap. You know what I mean? No, I know. I'm trying to think if there's another. I, I don't know that there is another. There's probably another town like that, but it's so hidden. We just like, I bet Alpine has that and we just don't know. Yeah. But whereas West Milford has Clinton Road and it used to have Demon's Alley and it's got like a million things. Like West Milford notoriously has a ton of shit, but it's also like, very proud to be like a mountain town that's like a fucking weird remote place. Westfield looks like a 50 sitcom set. I think the demographic of West Orange of uh, Westfield changed over the years too. Um, where I think it was, you know, like a beautiful suburb and like now it's extremely like affluent. Like, you know, I don't know. 
those things kind of like start to, the lore kind of disappears when new people that don't know about the past move in or the people who once lived there can't afford to live there anymore, you know? Of course, of course. Uh, I'm going to put out another infrastructural thing. I don't even think we need to spend too much time on this one just because it's another traffic one and we've already talked about it between uh, 46 and 3 and, and how much that's affected with the Newark Airport. But somebody's got to make a GPS that can tell you where you're trying to go as you come out of the Holland Tunnel. It's the most, I mean, because you go underground, so it loses signal, and then it comes out, and it's telling you to turn left into Jersey City. It's telling you to make right turns into Hoboken that don't exist. And then it comes up, and it's like, here's a turnpike entrance, or you can go on the Pulaski Skyway, or 1 and 9, or 280, or you get, I mean, it's like, I'll tell you one thing, for all my years in Jersey, I'll tell you one place I've never been interested in getting lost is fucking Fish House Road. I'm not trying to get lost on a place oh, called man. Fish House Road. <laughs> I worked along there for a long, like, oh my. What God. the fuck is going on on Fish House Road, Nick? Well, it floods all the fucking time, but I used to have to go down there to access uh, one of the like lift bridges we were doing for poor authority. And the places that I would walk through over there were like, apps, like I would, we'd be with somebody and then we'd also have like a flagman with us and they'd be like, yo, you got to be careful here. Um, but yeah, Fish House Road is like this back access way. And I think there's an, there's a lot of industrial stuff over there, but it's like never been maintained. There's literally, if it rains too hard and the, and the tide is high, like I, I would sit on the bridge, like doing this night work and we would just watch cars drive into it and just sit there. And like nobody would come. They would like get out of their car and they would be like standing there and you're like- Well, because the cars get- too deep in the floodwaters and like the engines for it's out. Yeah. You go in there. Once it goes up your fucking exhaust pipe, like you're screwed, man. You know? I will say, uh, you know, our theme song is by GDP. Who's formerly of a crew known as division East and slang corp. And Carson was a big part of it. And my old roommate, uh, put out records under the name pistol as part of it. And I will say one of my favorite pistol lines of all time. And if pistol ever hears this much love to you, I hope you're doing well. Uh, when he d he did once drop the line, they'll find you decomposed out on Fish House Road, and I thought that that was <laughs> a pretty perfect Jersey rap lyric right there. Yeah, if you're coming down the Belleville Pike and you make a wrong turn over there, like you have, you know, first of all, you got like the old dumps there, recycling centers, and the roads are like, my God, if you hit a pothole wrong, your axle will break over there. But yeah, you make that it's one that whole that area. last right turn, you'll wind up in like a a, a path like train yard with nobody around and just you know terrible mess. and all i'm trying to say is to the makers of gps technology it's only the holland tunnel one of three major access points into and out of <laughs> the largest metropolitan area in the world maybe let's figure out how to get that technology so that it's really on point when you come out because that thing will tell you to change your turn seven times across those lanes and uh it ain't, it ain't a good situation. It ain't a good situation. You got to position yourself, like, as soon as you come out of the Holland Tunnel to, like, get where you got to go, depending on the traffic. Tunnel. Also, that whole stretch right there between those highway entrances and, and the exit of the Holland Tunnel, since we're talking about it, let's have one good late night um, food option along there. Because there's a place that I can't tell if it's a 7-Eleven or not. I thought it was, and then I went to it one night, and I don't think it's an actual. I think it's faking you out. I think it's a fake Seven Eleven, and I went in there, and there were people rampaging around without shirts on, screaming and yelling, and it. I truly was like, oh, I need any place else to stop for a snack on the way home. And this post Holland Tunnel stretch—that's maybe just good business. Somebody open up a business out there that's a doable pull off. Grab yourself a snack and keep going. Cause that ain't it. There used to be a really good diner there. I think it's like some sort of ethnic food now, but that was the site of one of my most terrible post Chinatown almost get thrown out of my, uh, my parents' car. I had to go into this diner in there and, uh, go into a bathroom with no stalls as the owner chased me with my pants. Like my pants were coming down and, uh, but Oh my God. Yeah. That was the old school diner there. I won't, I won't get into the rest of the story because Terrible. Mike D, next up on the list, what would you like to attack? Because I'm, I'm running low. I, a lot of my gripes I've aired out. One issue that New Jersey really, really needs to fix is we have no media market in New Jersey. For a you know, we're a state of almost 9 million people, and we just barely managed to support one newspaper. That's a disgrace. And, and 
no shade. You know, like I have my love for the Star Ledger and NJ.com is huge. I'm a subscriber. I am a daily reader. I love it. But for this many people, we should fix this and we should have multiple legitimate news organizations operating in New Jersey just because of how big we are as a state how big our economy is and 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 also like the diversity of viewpoints in New Jersey should have representation and and also we should have people covering the state house in New Jersey government we do a little bit but there's not enough people doing that that's, it's, that's it's, by it's, design right that's by design it didn't used to be though it's part of how they get away with so much stuff right right what do you got Asbury Park Press what's the other one the Bergen Record the Trentonian is that Trentonian like, a- like these but these are not Right, those are all regional papers, I believe, right, Mike? And they're, they're regional papers, and again... You mean like a statewide? Is that what you're looking for? Like a like a New York Times of New Jersey? We should have multiple versions of that. If you have an audience of almost 9 million people, we should have multiple legitimate news organizations. And I can tell you, even those other papers, they're great, they have great journalists, but they are not funded or staffed in a way that they can operate as a legitimate on the ground, you know, news organization covering everything that happens in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there's News 12 New Jersey, um, our TV station. But we all know where we grew up, you're reading New York News. You're watching New York News. Like the New York News, we, the, the, new, the news anchors we knew were Roz Abrams and Ernie Anastas and all the New York people. Chuck Scarborough. Sam Champion, right? Keep fucking that chicken. Yeah, keep fucking that chicken. Ernie Anastas, like Sam Champion. Like they were all New York area employees and I think South Jersey too has the same thing but with Philly it does make us kind of ripe for stuff to get um, you know there's a lot of stuff that's important here that flies way too low under the radar because of it and I think some of that allows this corruption and graft some of it is also just human stories like um, Mike knows like one of the things Mike and I bond over is we're both really nerdy about like long form journalism, like you, you and I have connected on that and you know a lot about it. So as I've got more into it, you've really given, you give me a couple books and some recommendations, but one of the things that got me into it is anybody who likes this podcast, if you're nerdy enough to listen to us, you should Google, there's this great star ledger, I think seven piece story that won the Pulitzer. I think about the sinking of a boat called the Saint, the sinking of the lady mary maybe it was it's about a scallop boat and it does this really deep look into how scallop. you know we all think of the jersey shore as like the vacation destination but there's so many areas of it that are legitimate old school fishing villages where families have been there fishing for generations and they're not tourist spots and it gets into how new jersey is this major shipping lane because port nork and the philly ports are so huge and the rules of the sea are that the small boats have to get out of the large boats way. And there was this mysterious sinking of the queen Mary, maybe tiny. No, the wreck wreck of the lady, Mary. the wreck of the lady, Mary. It is an amazing series. And it, I think it won a Pulitzer if I remember right, or, or a night. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I read it and it gave me such an appreciation for journalism as a whole. And also realizing the New York media markets and the Philly media markets, they're not going to do a story about a scallop boat sinking off the coast of Jersey. But there's major areas of Jersey that are outside of the influence of those cities on a daily basis. And thank God the ledger stepped up because this article makes you realize, man, a lot of these people have it rough and they're getting squeezed by these massive commercial shipping lanes and these boats and it's dangerous and it's not fair to families and it's not fair to this industry. That was all because of the ledger that did this really notable thing. But how often does the ledger do something that big? And for look, we've had a lot of fun with Peter Genovese, Jeremy Snyder, friends of the show who we've interviewed. But it is a little, I, I bet they'd be the first to agree it's kind of a shame that the ledger has to get so many of their subscribers, me included, by going, here's a list of the best bagels. Here's the best ice cream spots. Yeah, it's your demographic. I look at the, you know, look at, I'm not trying to, you know, put down New Jersey or its residents. I mean, really, I, I don't know. That's not, you know, people are too busy just fucking surviving and, and trying to pay their bills every week. And the general public looks at like what? The sports, their horoscope, and like whatever's on the front page, and the food stuff, and the right. you know, you can feel the stuff that that gets people in, and a lot of it's state pride stuff and nostalgia stuff, and that stuff's great, and I am the biggest sucker in the world for it. Yeah, but how many actual stories are going untold 
because we don't have a newsroom as strong as we used to in this state. Part of me, there's a second part of it too that I think, right? And so that my my background is I I'm a, I'm a ref I'm a refugee from journalism. You know, I worked in that for a long time, and the the part that people don't see is when you have high functioning journalism organizations in a place, they put constant pressure on your elected representatives or people in companies who pollute, people who do all kinds of things they should or should not be doing. When when those people realize that there is a watcher with a public voice over them, it changes their behavior. And not a Westfield watcher. You're not talking about No, not a Westfield watcher. I'm talking about a, a, a shoe leather cub reporter who is on the beat monitoring what governments, peoples, and com- people and companies are doing. And that changes their behavior. It's, it's, a, it's, a check, it's a system of checks and balances, you know, and you need that. I mean, you also have to imagine, like, you think about some of the political bosses and their influence, and you have to imagine that there are some people going, hey, like, we can come in and do things our way because the reporters from New York aren't going to come sniffing around here. They got too much going on in New York. Like, this is... The jur- journalism as a check and balance on government is a very important thing. And I don't know that we have it here because we got a lot of very powerful state and county level politicians and not and a very, very overtaxed, underworked journalism system covering all of them. I'll, my, the most concrete example of why this needs to be fixed, I'll give to people. So I get the, I'm probably like the last person in the world, but I get the physical star ledger delivered to my home which I enjoy because I love It's really crazy that that person has to hit print on that one copy and bring it to your and house. And deliver it directly morning. to my house and, and bless that person because it appears in my door before I'm even awake. But on, in the Sunday, it heard it, is it true that they now print it on a dot matrix printer for you? I think he hand writes it actually yeah. from what I can tell is I get like a handwritten copy of the Star Ledger <laughs> on my house. <laughs> yeah. I and love so, feeling a newspaper in my hand. That's yeah, like the best thing in the world. Have your coffee, read your Sunday paper, but when, when you get the Sunday Star Ledger, depending on where you live, there's a county insert. So I get the Middlesex County one, and all it will be is one page that is 10% masthead, 30% picture, and then maybe 400 words about, you know, the, the Elks Club had a parade. There's no actual reporting on Middlesex County politics. And, and I think this holds true for every county. So that's what I'm saying is people should be, journalists should be following county level, state level, town level politics. It's important. And, and I think we need to fix this. And it's on us because we should be paying for our news instead of stealing it. I, uh, Mike, you put something on the list that I want to say I'm all about. I, I've been on record on the show a number of times. I even asked the governor you know, the Great Falls and Patterson, the amount of people I know in Jersey who just haven't gone, it's astounding. The amount of people who live just outside of Jersey who have never heard of it, astounding. Like this should be a source of tourism and it should be a source of pride and natural wonder. You also pointed out how is Camden not becoming the Brooklyn of Philly, which I've heard it's starting to. Andrea and I have talked about this, that that's starting to happen and it's sort of revolves around, you know, a lot of the areas around the university that the police really maybe you know, protect a little bit more starting to one that you put on here though, another one of our cities, whatever's going on in Atlantic city, we got to do a real thorough look up and down at this experiment with Atlantic city and to see who it's benefiting and start giving some of that city back to its people at some point. Right. Like that city is so just, it's just broken. It's jacked up, man. It shouldn't be though. No matter what they do, they're trying to de- like now my, my buddy Chris is working. He was working on a pile job on the North end and you know, it's away from everything kind of, but I guess they're putting this water park and all this, you know, they never, they, plus they suffered through the COVID where like all their taxes went up like a hundred percent. So there's, um, a, a permanent, um, you know, the people that used to work there have to like live somewhere or that kind of thing. But I think it's like a couple different things. It's just, it's corrupt. It's, they don't ever, they're going to cater to the casinos no matter what, because that brings the most amount of like revenue in, but they, it has so much potential for like being a real destination with like, I mean, you look at Wildwood, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like they don't have any of that stuff. They have like, you know, 
I, I don't know. It's not. It's not very family friendly. But yeah, they got the pier out there, you know, but the, the pier reason. is one little blip uh. swallowed up in uh, all the casinos and the madness on their boardwalk. And yeah, but you have the thing that needs to, that I I think that we need to fix Atlantic City, and I mean specifically for the people who actually live in Atlantic City. You have casino gambling, which is a high revenue, high tax thing. You have one of the nicest beaches on the eastern seaboard. Atlantic City is a super big, super nice beach. You have a boardwalk, and then you also have all the entertainment. So besides the casinos, right, you have concerts, comedy, like all kinds of events. You have a train that goes there. You have a train, and you have close access from New York City, Philadelphia, and an airport. I don't understand why this is not fixed. It makes no sense. Well, the airport's actually changed its uh, format. They're offering a lot more flights there. But it's, yeah, more like you could get to Florida easy from there instead of having to go to like Philly or whatever. But it's just always going to have that that stigma, I guess, you know? I tell you, I was down there a few years ago with my buddy Murph. We were doing a bit for the Chris Gethard show. And when we, we went to this bar, had food. It was great food. Nice people. They were so happy to have us. You could tell it was like a real neighborhood place quality stuff. We were sitting and talking with them a bunch before we went and hit up the casinos and started doing our filming for our show. And all of a sudden there was like a huge downpour. And we're getting ready to leave and the bartender's like, eh, don't leave yet. Like the water hasn't come through yet. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, anytime it rains that hard, you get like a bunch of flooding and it comes and goes pretty quick, but wait for it. So we go and stand in the doorway and he's like, look, it's coming. And you see like all this water just rolling down the street. And I'll never remember. It was just an empty, I'll never forget rather. It's just like all this gross water slowly sloshing through deep enough that we wouldn't want to walk through it. He's like, it'll pass in like half an hour. Just hang out like another 30, 40 minutes. And I remember standing in their doorway and watching this gross water slosh through. And it was just an empty bag of chips and a used condom. And they just floated by. I'm like, that's Atlantic City. That's like a real Atlantic City. The sanitary lines become inundated with stormwater. Yeah. And then all that has to like go somewhere. Well, probably because the casinos are just it's not even maxing out their systems, right? The biggest problem is this. When you're building that close to sea level is that you have to put pipes in the ground to like move all that stuff, whether it's storm, whether it's rainwater, sanitary, whatever. And you can't go that deep because then you went into like groundwater. And then anytime there's a storm... Like you'll see it on LBI or anywhere close and it's just getting worse because of like, you know, global warming and whatever like that. But it's one of the hardest things you, they basically would have to like raise the ground elevation of everything to be able to move that easier. It's just a fact of life. When it rains, all those, like you go to like uh, Jersey city, same thing. It's just everybody's toilets backing up at once. And the other thing is the places that process your waste, like human waste, there's laws in place where, of course, they're not supposed to like dump into local waterways. But under storm surges, it's like a it's a fact of life that when they become inundated, they have to release this waste somewhere, and it's usually into the public waterways. So that's when you'll have these like bacterial like alerts at the shore and stuff like that, just because the systems can't handle it. You know what I mean? Damn, damn. Let's fix Atlantic City's pipes. Let's start there. Let's fix the effect of all the casino money on the local populace. The whole point of them illegalizing gambling was that it was supposed to give all the people there jobs, and that's never been true. Let's make this a place that's joyous, that's a destination that doesn't have a sad stigma surrounding it. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Especially in the face of legalized sports gambling and more and more places loosening up their casinos. We need a real reimagining of Atlantic City, and I'm putting that on you, Murphy. Anyway, Murphy's a friend of the show. Now, listen, we're running out of time. This has been gripes, right? At the end of the day, we're, this is gripes about stuff. I'm, I am hoping that each of us can take the time to list one thing where we go, you know what? They did fix this, and they did a good job. Like, I'll, I'll start, give you guys a moment mm, to think. That's a, that's a tough I one. I just bought, I bought a used car, and uh, I was dreading the DMV. Who likes the DMV? But I'll tell you, my, the guy I bought the car from, he's a neighbor, he says to me, you know, you could go to the one in Somerville from here for registrations, but he goes, I drive out to Washington. It's a little further, but it's really well run. Washington's out in Warren County. I had an appointment, 9.30 a.m. to get my new car registered. 
I got there right on time. I walked out with the registration and my new license plates in hand at 9.36 a.m. Kudos to the MVC. Maybe the, uh, I always will call it the DMV. At the very least, that Washington location out in Warren County, I walked up. They had told me what paperwork to print out and bring with me. I brought it. Guy went through with a highlighter, said, you missed this initial here. Go do, go to that table. Everything I've highlighted, fix it up. Went back. He put in a number for me. They instantly called the number while I was still standing at his thing. Walked up to this other very nice guy. He went through, double-checked everything, handed me my plates. I never, ever thought I'd say it. Pretty pleasant day at the DMV. Well done, New Jersey. Well, yeah, that's something that happened, uh, I think, specifically because of COVID. So that's where they instituted having to have like appointments and stuff like that. Well, all right. I'm so sorry that those millions of people are dead, but I got out of the DMV in six minutes. So a fucking miracle. It's a COVID miracle. It's a COVID miracle. The DMV in six minutes. And inspections better now too. Oh, I haven't done one of those yet. I haven't done one yet. All right. Anybody else? They don't check anything anymore. Anybody else want to give kudos for something that has been successfully oh, fixed? God, I don't know. One thing that I think New Jersey, especially in the last 10 years, has done a fantastic job with is preserving green space. Yeah. And you can find mm-hmm. dozens and dozens of examples where, you know, a tract of land came up. For, for whatever reason, for sale or through donation. And instead of what we would have done in the 90s or in the early 2000s, which is build condos on it, New Jersey has done a really great job of taking a lot of this land, you know, enacting preservation laws so that it can't be developed and then making it accessible to the public. And again, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's more we could do there, but I think New Jersey has done a great job of preserving public space and making it accessible to people for recreation. And I think wherever you live in the state, you can find so many examples of this. DNR Canal is one that I think they've done an amazing job. They just keep adding to that sort of, you know, trust that they have and making it bigger and bigger. So kudos to New Jersey for just yeah. preserving what little open space we have in a very long-term way. Green Acres is one of like the biggest programs for that. And you have to offer like incentives for you know, people, but it also has to be funded. And then there's also like, what's the group up in Morris County, the uh, Highlands Commission that was big in implementing development like restrictions. And also like the, uh, down in the Pine Barrens, I believe it's the, like the Pinelands like Alliance, which uh, changed like um, to, to preserve the aquifer down there, how people can develop new land. I, I gotta say, I'm pretty excited. Um, I think a lot of people have heard there's an abandoned train line that runs from Montclair up to Jersey city and they're turning that into a walking park. The idea that that area in particular, that's like Montclair, Clifton, Nutley, all the way up to Jersey city. Those are areas where condo developers are probably outright mad. They didn't get to grab that land. So kudos to them for that. And then I also want to say, if you haven't, um, I think one of the early notable examples of, of this being a grassroots thing is it's a pretty great documentary. It's on PBS or it was, all about how they were going to build the Newark Airport where the Great Swamp is now. And a lot of people got together, like local people from a grassroots level, and they were like, hey, this is a special place. There's like migrating birds that stop here that you can't see anywhere else on the eastern seaboard. There's all sorts of wildlife and reasons to keep this. And um, I know that's right by where I live. And, and that documentary is pretty cool to see that people got that done. So I'm with you. Now, Bonaduce, you've been racking your brain every Ugh. time I say anything you want to give kudos for. It lo- you're shaking your head no. You can't think of one thing New Jersey's fixed and done right. Well, for this year, it's a continuation of last year, which I think is right. And we pay enough money in our taxes that we should have access to is that all the state parks are free again this year. And I got into a conversation with somebody inadvertently and their argument was, I can't believe that they're letting all the state parks be free. And I was like, why not? I was like, you pay all this tax money. That's like going towards all these things. They're like, well, you know, that's just uh, that's money in the budget. We don't have. I was like, yeah, but it's money in the budget that, um, is being well spent so that people that normally wouldn't pay 60 or $70 a year or pay as they go now would say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go to this place and enjoy it. And, 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 uh, say kudos to Murphy for that. I think so. That's a, a good thing that's changed. And I could see that actually becoming like a permanent thing. I think if it did, it would be a game changer for a lot of, um, 
Yeah. Like I know even having, you guys know you're both parents too. Now that I'm a parent, I realize like the idea that I'm going to get my three-year-old in a car, I'm going to drive to a state park when it might rain or something might go wrong. If I pay, it's just another impediment to not give it a shot. But if it's free, who cares? Throw the kid in the car. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. It's one less barrier of entry for like many thousands of people. And who doesn't like free shit? Well done. Well done, Jersey. And it belongs to you yeah. as a resident of New Jersey. It's your land. No doubt. All right, everybody. I am sure there are people out there going, why don't they just fix X, Y, and Z? I'm sure there's people from different towns, different corners of the state who know about things we haven't seen, whether that's the infrastructure, whether it's the way that the systems are built. We've called out a bunch of them. Uh, what are the things that need to change that just haven't, God damn it? Uh, what's your version of the area where Route 46 meets Route 3? Because our whole lives we've known it's messed up. Fix it. There's so many things in this state. Just fix them, guys. Just get the state house and the governor together and go, we got to change this because everybody doesn't like it, so let's just change it. Let's get it done. We want to hear about it. 973-780-4660. Leave comments on the Patreon. We always love talking with you guys. And uh, thanks so much for listening and supporting. And let us know. What do they need to fix? What do they just need to goddamn fix already? Please let us know. We'll do our part to try to help get it done. Fantastico. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the World is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D, and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the World and on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the world, where New Jersey is the world. Thank you.